Good Wednesday evening, Void Folk. Welcome back to Poems and Whiskey and my block of programming I'm calling A Month of Third Wednesdays. Here's the beginning part where I talk to new people who might have stumbled upon me. Hi, hello, I'm Michael. Um, normally this show is a conversation and not just me speaking into the ether uh, in my room by myself. Normally I'm talking to another creative and we get into some uh, history and navel gazers and uh, hilarity and usually have more than is appropriate drinks. But hey, you know, that that will be coming back soon. Uh, that'll be coming back in February for y'all. Uh, for me, I start recording again in January. I have some really exciting guests lined up. Uh, well, I think that's exciting. Um, some people I wanted to get on last year, but I didn't have any space. Um, so if, if you are interested, now's a great time to let me know. My contact is uh, in the notes. Yeah, just uh, reach out to me. And I will be happy to work something out with you. All right, tonight I have mm, a little, I'm going to talk a little bit. Normally, normally I just read something, but tonight I have a, um, I actually have something I want to talk about. And, um, this is about to, well, I mean, if you want to get really technical, it's a little over a year of me pondering, uh, this idea off and on. Understanding it, and then closing up, and then understanding it, and closing up, etc., etc. Since revelations take time and unfold multiple times throughout our lifetimes. Um, but um, in this one, in this one right now, I want to talk about hope. Before I get into that, uh, before I start bringing out the poetry, and I mention the people who helped me out when I was asking them all those questions and <laughs> outsourcing um uh outsourcing this episode i guess um <laughs> i would like to uh continue to say and will continue to say free palestine ceasefire now from the river to the sea all right so Let's talk about hope. Or I guess I'm talking at you about hope. Uh, so, I don't know. Sit back. Have a smoke. I think it's going to be more enjoyable if you're a... Uh, if you're... Uh, in maybe 1.5 sheets to the wind. This won't be that long, but... Uh, join me, if you will, on this journey. See, normally, with someone else in front of me, this is much easier for me to, 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 to parse out, right? Like, um, I process things verbally sometimes a lot to my friends who have received the, um, the processing portion of, uh, things that have happened afterward via text. And it's just a giant block of fucking text and messaging. Oh, well, this is the, this is the audio version of that. All right. So, all right, here we go. Oh, now. Before I got started doing this podcast, some of y'all know that I was in a long-term relationship that ended very badly. Well, fantastically for me, let's be honest. 
Uh, but at the time, it, it was rocky. It was a rocky thing. The whole relationship was definitely a learning experience, <laughs> right? Um, but throughout that, I I continued this course of like hoping that things would get better, and and that didn't get me very far. So when things eventually did fall apart, as they should have and as they did, um. I no longer had hope. And that sounds very bleak, doesn't it? But let's let's look at it for for a second. Um how do we how do we use hope? What is hope? What is what do we as a culture uh, we like we're a homogenous thing, but I, I think y'all get what I mean. Like in in most ways, how do we view hope? Right? So <clears throat> I actually made notes on this. Y'all should be proud of me. All right. Like I'm a real podcaster. Look at me. All right. So hope. What the fuck, right? Now, most of us, most of us use it more like a synonym for what? Like wish, right? It's a wish. It's a dream. I hope things get better. You describe it as a feeling that things are going to improve that it's going to eventually all be okay and things are going to work out and you know what no one's ever gonna fucking die either it's all everything's beautiful and nothing hurts right um nobody died i mean that's not really it's not really how it works is it it's not really how it how it happens so if hope isn't a if it is a feeling you no longer have, right? If we if we say it is only a feeling of something, that something is going to get better, if it is only a wish or a prayer, and then those things don't happen, um, I mean, what, you're just smashing yourself against the rocks every single fucking time, right? What is there left for you to do but to become hopeless? But hold on, that's not, as terrible as it sounds. I know it sounds awful. Like, it's, it's hopeless. It's dire. Well, I mean, sure. Sure. I mean, it can be. But, um, when you stop relying on the fantasy that something will get better. Do you see what I'm saying here? I don't hope that things are going to get better. I don't. I, I, have, I have no hope. I don't hope for anything. Not like that. Um, I wish for things. Of course I do. I'm human. Um, I, I want many things. I wish many things would happen. But I don't hope that they will. I don't... I'm not sitting here pretending like some... Um... Mm, some all-knowing thing is just going to eventually... I'm not sitting here imagining or you know, wishing or praying that something or someone is going to fix whatever, whatever, right? So, if hope is not a wish, and it's not a prayer, and it's not a feeling that you have anymore, what do you do with it? Like, what, how, I think, I read this quote on a quilt of all places, and I found it on Instagram. 
Uh, if I can find it again, I'm pretty sure I saved it. I'll, I'll, I'll link it for you guys so you can check it out because it's really fucking cool. Um, but this person made this quilt. Uh, their name is E.A. Cox. C-O-X. And what they had um, uh, quilted was, but what is grief if not love persevering? Right? That's fuck. But I also thought, could we also not say the same thing about hope? Right? Could hope be more like a verb? Like love. Is hope love in action? I was talking with one of my friends and she was saying how she was hopeless, which is partly where this this particular episode um, really started to form. Um, she brought up her hopelessness and uh, fair, absolutely fair. Uh, who can pretend and who can still wish and think that things are going to get better right now? I don't. Neither could she. But, and the only thing I could think to say to her was that, see, I'm so much smarter about these things when I don't think about them, when I don't turn them over and over in my head and turn them into mush along with myself in the process. But what I said to her was really smart. Ah, so, (laughs) good for me. Um, But then, of course, I unraveled. Uh, What I said was that hope wasn't a soft and light thing. It's not clean. Hope is dirty and scared and making bread. So if grief is but love persevering, is hope not just love in forward motion? Now, I mentioned that I had uh, crowdsourced <laughs> this episode because I wanted I wanted some people's feedback. And I, I put it up on the show, and uh, the show page on Instagram. And I posted it on fucking Twitter or whatever. And I posted it on my own fucking Instagram page and worried a couple of my friends because who just asks what the fuck hope is? <laughs> and just randomly... Uh, in December, with everything going on, uh, I am, I'm, I'm as fine as I could possibly be at this point in time. Uh, I am not in danger. Thank you. But I reached out. I reached out to several. Um, and they gave me their opinions on hope. And, uh, it, it was very interesting. It was, um, uh, it was enlightening. We, we of course, uh, touched on how hope is commonly used, like, flippantly or, you know, naively. But they really helped me figure some things out, which I, uh, which probably doesn't sound like it by, by this episode. And I promise that I'm going to get to the poetry. I promise. I've got, uh, you know what? I've actually got a Charles Bukowski in my pocket tonight. I know. Because I wanted something, something different. Now, another friend of mine um, pointed me to an article Uh, And I am going to apologize in advance. I know I joke about not looking up names and not knowing how to pronounce them and having a stupid white mouth. 
Um, and uh, I have I, I could not find the pronunciation for this one. I, I am so sorry. I will link it so that everybody can find it, but um, I have no idea how to pronounce this person's name. Uh, between 1985 and 1986, Havel conducted a series of interviews with the Czech journalist Carol, who was living in West Germany at the time. In Czech, the resulting book was a kind of confessional autobiography called Long Distance Interrogation. The English translation was published in the spring of 1990 and called Disturbing the Peace. This is an excerpt from that. The kind of hope I often think about, especially in situations that are particularly hopeless, such as prison, I understand above all as a state of mind, not a state of the world. Either we have hope within us, or we don't. Hope is not prognostication. It is an orientation of the spirit, an orientation of the heart. It transcends the world that is immediately experienced and is anchored somewhere beyond its horizons. I feel that its deepest roots are in the transcendental, just as the roots of human responsibility are, though of course I can't, unlike Christians, for instance, say anything about the transcendental. Hope in this deep and powerful sense is not the same as joy that things are going well, or willingness to invest in enterprises that are obviously headed for early success, but rather an ability to work for something because it is good, not just because it stands a chance to succeed. The more unpromising the situation in which we demonstrate hope, the deeper that hope is. Hope is not the same thing as optimism. It is not the conviction that something will turn out well, but the certainty that something makes sense, regardless of how it turns out. In short, I think that the deepest and most important form of hope, the only one that can keep us above water and urge us to good works, and the only true source of the breathtaking dimension of the human spirit and its efforts, is something we get, as it were, from elsewhere. It is this hope, above all, that gives us the strength to live and continually to try new things, even in conditions that seem as hopeless as ours do here and now. Disturbing the Peace, pages 181-182. Of course, I reached out to Tom Snarsky for what were his favorite um, poems about hope. And he dutifully sent me several because he is just a font of information. It's incredible. All right. So he gave me a couple and I'm going to read them. <clears throat> this one is by Petrarch. Wish spurs me on. Love looks and nods. Pleasure drags me. Old habit carries. Hope flatters and recomforts me and offers its right hand to a heart already viciously tired. And taken in once more by the easy blindness my guide offers, I have hope again. Desire breeds desire. The senses rule over a dead mind. Strength, honor, beauty, gentle gestures, fair speech. I have woven my heart into this net of branches with comfort and deliberation. In the year 1327, at the opening of the first hour on the 6th of April, I entered the labyrinth. My wandering sense has been without purpose. This next one is by Esther Takis. 
poem in which you become the sky. This is a letter in which you, double-tongued heart, become the sky. The letter in which your cow face becomes my black human shape of ordinary geometry in a cup. This is the letter in which my black human shape becomes your artichoke hand. The letter in which our entire house considers the wind and we've become too polite to scream. My favorite part of today is you. You quiet, unusual mystique of lions. What you are doing is a very large question full of elephants boxing the night, full of the biggest hope ever imagined. This last one, um, I'm going to read uh, because he included it specifically because it is titled Note to Michael. It's by Tim Dilgis. Strange to see the river through the window that lets the colors in behind me. It's real light as opposed to artificial. It's real life I'm in the middle of, I hope. Where you are is just as real, I also hope. And what we feel between us is a filament that bears its own energy, glowing in ways too subtle or too fast for the eye to pick up, a precious alloy that puts us in the same place on one level, the level of the river and the light. <clears throat> now I'm going to read uh, a Billy Collins. This is from uh, the collection The Art of Drowning. While Eating a Pear After we have finished here, the world will continue its quiet turning, and the years will still transpire, but now without their numbers. And the days and months will pass without the names of Norse and Roman gods. Time will go by the way it did before history, pure and unnoticed, a mystery that arose between the sun and the moon before there was a word for dawn or noon or midnight. Before there were names for Earth's uncountable things when fruit hung anonymously from scattered groves of trees, light on one smooth green side, shadow on the other. All right, now, now I'm going to read the Bukowski. Are you shocked? I am a little bit. You know, I think I might have read this one before, honestly. Um, but that's all right. Uh, this is from that giant collection, The Pleasure of the Damned, uh, 1951 to 1993, collected poems. All right. <clears throat> At least it's paperback, right? All right, this one is called The Bluebird. There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I'm too tough for him. I say, stay in there. I'm not going to let anybody see you. There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I pour whiskey on him, inhale cigarette smoke, and the whores and the bartenders, the grocery clerks, never know that he's in there. There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I'm too tough for him. I say, stay down. Do you want to mess me up? You want to screw up the works? You want to blow my book sales in Europe? There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I'm too clever. I only let him out at night sometimes. When everybody's asleep, I say, I know you're there, so don't be sad. Then I put him back. But he's seeing a little in there. I haven't quite let him die. 
And we sleep together like that, with our secret pact. And it's nice enough to make a man weep. But I don't weep, do you? Alrighty, now, here is the last poem of the night. And it's a little bit longer. After that, after that, I will release, I will release you all uh, <laughs> back into the void from whence you came. Anyway, so it's a Roker poem. It's from the Duino Elegies. The first elegy. Who, if I cried out, would even hear me among the angels' hierarchies? And even if one of them pressed me suddenly against his heart, I would be consumed in that overwhelming existence. For beauty is nothing but the beginning of terror, which we still are just able to endure. And we are so awed because it serenely disdains to annihilate us. Every angel is terrifying. And so I hold myself back and swallow the call note of my dark sobbing. Ah, who can we ever turn to in our need? Not angels. Not humans. And already the knowing animals are aware that we are not really at home in our interpreted world. Perhaps there remains for us some tree on a hillside, which every day we can take into our vision. There remains for us yesterday's street and the loyalty of a habit so much at ease when it stayed with us that it moved in and never left. Oh, and night. There is night when wind full of infinite space gnaws at our faces. Whom would it not remain for that longed-after, mildly disillusioning presence which the solitary heart so painfully meets? Is it any less difficult for lovers? But they keep on using each other to hide their own fate. Don't you know it yet? Fling the emptiness out of your arms into the spaces we breathe. Perhaps the birds will feel the expanded air with more passionate flying. Yes, the spring times needed you. Often a star was waiting for you to notice it. A wave rolled towards you out of the distant past, or you walked under an open window. A violin yielded itself to your hearing. All this was mission. But could you accomplish it? Weren't you always distracted by expectation, as if every event announced a beloved? Where can you find a place to keep her with all the huge, strange thoughts inside you going and coming and often staying all night? But when you feel longing, seeing of women in love, for their famous passion is still not immortal. Seeing of women abandoned and desolate, you envy them, almost. Who could love so much more purely than the ones who were gratified? Begin again and again the never attainable praising. Remember, the hero lives on. Even his downfall was merely a pretext for achieving his final birth. But nature, spent and exhausted, takes lovers back into herself, as if there were not enough strength to create them a second time. Have you imagined Gaspara Stampa intensely enough so that any girl deserted by her beloved might be inspired by that fierce example of thawing, objectless love and might say to herself, 
Perhaps I can be like her. Shouldn't this most ancient of sufferings finally grow more fruitful for us? Isn't it time that we lovingly freed ourselves from the beloved and quivering endured as the arrow endures the bowstring's tension so that gathered in the snap of release it can be more than itself? For there is no place where we can remain. Voices. Voices. Listen, my heart. As only saints have listened, until the gigantic call lifted them off the ground, yet they kept on, impossibly kneeling and didn't notice at all. So complete was their listening. Not that you could endure God's voice. Far from it. But listen to the voice of the wind and the ceaseless message that forms itself out of the silence. It is murmuring towards you now from those who died young. Didn't their fate, whenever you stepped into a church in Naples or Rome, quietly come to you? Or high up, some eulogy entrusted you with a mission, as last year, as the plaque on the Santa Maria Formosa. What they want of me is that I gently remove the appearance of injustice about their death, which at times slightly hinders their souls from proceeding onward. Of course, it is strange to inhabit the earth no longer, to give up customs one barely had time to learn, not to see roses and other promising things in terms of human future, no longer to be what was in infinitely anxious hands, to leave even one's own name behind, forgetting it as easily as a child abandons a broken toy. Strange to no longer desire one's desires, Strange to see meanings that clung together once, floating away in every direction. And being dead is hard work, and full of retrieval before one can gradually feel a trace of eternity. Though the living are wrong to believe in the two sharp distinctions which they themselves created. Angels, they say, don't know whether it is the living they are moving among or the dead. The eternal torment whirls all ages along with it, through both realms forever, and their voices are drowned out in its thunderous roar. In the end, those who were carried off early no longer need us. They are weaned from Earth's sorrows and joys as gently as children outgrow the soft breasts of their mothers. But we, who do need such great mysteries, we for whom grief is so often the source of our spirit's growth, could we exist without them? Is the legend meaningless that tells how, in Lament for Linus, the daring first notes of song pierced through the barren numbness. And then in the startled space, which a youth as lovely as a god has suddenly left forever, the void felt for the first time that harmony which now enraptures and comforts and helps us. 
This is my last episode of 2023. I hope wherever you are, you're with people who love you. Good night. Keep well and stay safe. I'll see you in the new year. Thank you, everyone. Cheers, y'all.